are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hey, everyone. As I started recording this, I realized oh, I should have brought one of my kids in here. I loved having the kids do the intros with me for a second, but all right, we'll just we'll just get this done and it'll just be me. It's fine. Hi. It's Jesse. How are you? Good. I'm good too. I've been like thinking about wrapping up the summer. You know, it's we're getting to the last few weeks of our summer break for our children. You know, everyone's doing their like last minute jets out of town for the weekend and stuff like that. You know, we're thinking about school shopping, school supply shopping. I do mine in shifts, by the way. If you want to know, I should do like a whole series of like how to do things with four children. Okay, so I take two kids shopping at once and then I take another two kids shopping at once for clothes. This is the first time we've actually done like a big back to school clothes shopping. But they're at that age where I don't have like, I used to have hand-me-downs, just boxes of hand-me-downs for so many years. Now it's, now we got to go kind of buy some new clothes for everyone. Okay. So then we have to do a whole separate supply shopping. Like, you know, the notebooks and the colored pencils and blah, blah, blah. I can't, it's like overwhelming as fuck. Like I look at these sheets and I'm like, wait, what? Who has how many boxes of pencils? What? I can't do that. And like the clothes shopping, we got, we got to do this stuff separate. So uh, that's that's the phase we're at right now. How about everybody else? We're just like thinking about going back to school. Okay, let's talk about the show. Okay, have you rated the show? Have you reviewed the show? Have you subscribed to the show? Oh, are you part of the email list? I send some out occasionally. There was a couple months where I didn't send anything because I was a little too swamped in my day job, I like to call it, you know, our business. But now I'm back on it. Just a little quick, I just let you know like what the episode was, if there's anything else going on with the with the project. Okay, so let's go on with the project right now. Let's talk about that. So we are now on our second week of Texas Women. Are you all loving it? I hope you're loving it. Okay, so let's talk like a little bit about it for a second. So why I want to do this is that I'm not from Texas. I live in Texas now. There's a lot wrapped up in the identity of Texans, right? There's so much. Like it's just an identity that has so many layers and so much going on and so many stereotypes and so many ideas and so many actual realities. And this whole project, I love it because I want to showcase the the layeredness of the Texas identity because what gets projected a lot is is just kind of a really narrow view of what it like what it means to be from Texas or live in Texas or you know have a Texas identity of any way you get to it and sharing these personal stories just really helps contextualize the state and how it's a thing y'all I mean what other states I've, I've talked about this before what other states have such a thing that Texas does not many you know California I guess you know but I'm just New York. New York would be another state that has like a big identity. Okay, okay. So, so. I'm just really excited to record these stories of these women and what they're doing in their lives and just share, just share and make the world a, you know, a more loving place by, by doing that. We have Chelsea this week and Chelsea has so many like parallels. We have so many parallels going in the opposite direction. Like she's from Texas. I moved to New England. I'm from New England. I moved to Texas. Like it's so funny. I really enjoyed talking with her. I loved her story, how she came from a chemical engineering background. Y'all ready to like, what's, what's the furthest thing you could think of from chemical engineering to what's like the most opposite, right? In her next career path. 
I'll give you a second to think of like what would be like a real opposite thing. Okay, you got something in your head? Okay. She's now opened a plant-based food company. <laughs> right? So opposite end of the spectrum. And I love it. I fucking love that dichotomy from chemical engineering to bacon, bacon. <laughs> and she's in Rhode Island. Yeah, Rhode Island. The state that she lives in now is the size of the city she's from. You know, what a what a great story. Anyway, so go ahead, sit down, go for a walk, keep driving, whatever you're going to do, and let's go meet Chelsea. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm here with Chelsea. So tell me who you are and a little bit, you know, about yourself. Well, I guess, I don't know how much you want to get into because we're going to hear like your whole story. But I mean, I guess I do always say like, tell us a little bit about yourself before you're going to tell us a lot of bit about yourself. So Chelsea, I am the founder and owner of Smoky Meats, a vegan plant-based food company. We focus mm-hmm. on uh, smoked and barbecued plant-based meat and we're based out of Providence, Rhode Island. And I have been living in New England for the last three and a half years, and I I moved here from Texas. So everyone who knows my story is like, we have (laughs) flip-flopped. I am from New England, and I've been in Texas 20 years. And again, this is like why I'm so excited to focus on Texas women, because we were talking before we started recording, and I was telling Chelsea about the just the attitudes of people not from Texas about Texas and why I'm so motivated, or, or that's my motivation, I guess we could say, to make these Texas edition of the show, because there's so much more to the culture and the identity and the state um, of Texas, and I'm just so happy to share them, some of the stories of the women from the state, because they're they're badasses. Absolutely. <laughs> like I've met some of the, you know, most badass women in this state. So I would love to start with, okay, you're from Houston and okay, start like you were in high school in Houston and then, okay, let's talk about like the first time you left, I guess would be to go to Philly, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Houston and I had never really been anywhere Um, I was raised by a single parent and just Mm -hmm. traveling wasn't something we always had an opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, she absolutely worked very hard to be able to do things like Disney vacations and stuff, but I wanted to see what it was like to live somewhere else. So I Mm -hmm. got accepted to school, Drexel in Philly, Mm -hmm. my first time in a typical city type of setting. If you've ever Mm -hmm. been to Houston, lived in Houston, most of it's like one big suburb. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And people who grow up there don't really spend much time like downtown. So the first kind of culture shock was moving to Philadelphia. Great city. It really grew on me. Into the city. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So the campus is right downtown. So big culture shock at first. You know, I was not used to city things like subways and taxis and stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) because once again those things are just not common growing up in Houston there's no subways whatsoever you know I have to just have a moment I just realized that like when you said that I was like oh yeah there's no subways there's there's buses Mm -hmm. there's that sort of public transportation but yeah there are no subways in Houston yes and the size of Houston though is just it's I mean it's Houston the size of Rhode Island yeah it literally is yeah the whole state (laughs) is the size of Houston it's crazy yeah 
Yeah, it's crazy. So that was a big sh- culture shock, but definitely necessary for, I think, my growth to be a more worldly person because, you know, other countries have, you know, public transportation systems and places that you can walk to. That's another weird thing. Nobody yes. walks anywhere no, in yeah. Texas. Nobody walks anywhere, y'all. No, nowhere, nowhere. And, you know, I spent a couple years in college, most of my college, without a, without a car. Yeah. You know, I would take the... Pioneer Valley Transit Authority, the PVTA, to school and back. And I lived in, you know, 20 miles from my college and I was able to get there and it was very reliable. But on the note, what did you major in? So I studied chemical engineering. There is, I mean, this is a suggestion from my chemistry teacher because I was a nerd about chemistry. <laughs> got, all, <laughs> got all A's and she said, you thought about chemical engineering? And I think one thing, like I, like I mentioned, uh, growing up in a single parent home, I always thought that, hey, if that's something that is in the cards for me, I want to be able to take care of myself and my family. So um, I wanted to become a chemical engineer. It's one of the highest paid salaries out of school. So I thought that should probably work. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the reasons why I chose Drexel. They have a great engineering program. But all of my professors said, why would you leave Houston to study chemical engineering? Because chemical plant after oil and gas plant all around Houston, all around Texas. So yes, yes. So why did you? I figured if I went to school in Texas, I thought I would never leave. (laughs) That was my, (laughs) that was my thinking. And I I feel like I might've been right about that. It it really needed that like challenging of myself and my perspective growing up in, in Houston to be comfortable with maybe living somewhere else. And I think, I think I felt like, uh, I don't know, swaddled in, in Texas a little bit. Mm-hmm. I needed some independence from my family and so that I could just grow as a, a person and definitely moving to Philly, definitely uh, getting into engineering, definitely challenged my mindset and being able to do that. And also I wanted to study in a field that was very um, affirming and, and challenging as a woman of color there's not many people who study chemical engineering so something I wanted to make sure that I could uh, accomplish and kind of set that milestone for other people who might be looking to get into the field but also so that I can challenge myself and be able to to do that it was it was difficult for anybody who who has studied any type of engineering they'll tell you <laughs> it's a nightmare but the time that you spend doing that was definitely worth it definitely challenges you. I just assume, and correct me if this is a wrong assumption, were you, like, if you have a lecture class, if you had a lab, were you the only woman or woman of color? Most of the time, I'll put Mm -hmm. it it this way. Um, Yeah, okay. (laughs) The international community had a lot more women of color. I was the only Uh American born woman of color in my most of my classes so as far as people to relate to you know usually it was the international kids because there was a lot more diversity as far as gender and other things and people from uh, but I rarely ever ran into any other black people (laughs) ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) at school yeah how were the cities how did they feel different you know, coming from Houston to Philly, because they're both dynamic cities, right? That have so much personality, like in both of them, I would say. Um, what did it? What was what was the thing that stood out the most? 
I mean, you said like walking and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think the cultures of the two places are couldn't be more opposite. So when I moved to Philly, I think the biggest thing that I noticed was how segregated the city was versus Houston. Okay. Like Houston always gets this reputation or Texas in general gets this reputation of kind of being a racially exclusive or racially biased but houston is a very multicultural city Mm -hmm. um you can get any type of cuisine from any country there um and everybody delivered to you in 20 minutes yes (laughs) 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 absolutely and the best stuff so i think that the culture Mm -hmm. of the cities and just how like the you know people are kind of on separate sides of town in a way and my husband's from pennsylvania so this was something he experienced too where's he from in pennsylvania He's from uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, central PA. But in in general, I think Houston and and Philly, they, I mean, the cultures as far as how friendly people are and people will talk to you on the streets in Philly, but you don't want those people saying hi to you, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But there's that expectation to greet people in Texas, you know, kind of wave and say hello and be friendly. And, you know, kind of that like rough, like New York type of like everybody's real quick, real short, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what you need and what do you need and why now kind of kind of culture. Yeah. I had to get used to it. I think the first time my mom came to visit me, she was I was ordering a coffee and she said, wow, you were kind of rude to that lady. And she's like, oh, well, she was just as rude to you. So <laughs> she just kind of, <laughs> she's like, oh, I guess that's just how it is here. All these things that you're saying, I've like did it in reverse. Like when I, I finished college and I was like, oh, I got to get out of Massachusetts or I'm going to get stuck here my entire life. And so I, I graduated and I moved to Austin with no direction or purpose. And I now... Like when I first got to Austin, I would be like in line at 7-Eleven being like, whoa, why is everybody taking so long? Why are they talking? Just get your taquitos and go, you know? And then after a couple of years, I went to Massachusetts and visited and I realized I, it was the same situation. I was in a convenience store and I'm there and I'm talking and this woman's name, Cindy, and I know, and I'm like, well, I love that dress. And like, tell me about those earrings. And where did you get that bracelet? Oh, that was from your daughter. How old you? And I turned into like, that person. Yeah, the chatty I'm southerner. A southerner. <laughs> yes, I'm a chatty southerner at heart. Like I had no idea. I had no idea that's what I was like that's what I was chasing was <laughs> and I feel like a stranger in a strange land because of that that stranger uh, like there was a I mentioned I rode the bus. When I was in college there was a gentleman who rode the bus. We drove the bus probably morning and afternoon every day probably for Two years, never said a word to each other. <laughs> I knew who he was. I knew his name. I knew all these things about him. But, but you just don't talk to strangers. It's just, it's a completely, nope. and that that was probably one of the biggest changes mm-hmm. for me. And I think as far as like the people are concerned, like once you do get to know people, you know, mm-hmm. people are really, really nice in, in both places. Mm-hmm. I would say Texas people... Um, I grew up in a suburb, Houston, like I said, it's mostly a suburb, but growing up Mm -hmm. in kind of that smaller community, it's really like king of the hill kind of. (laughs) <laughs> like you know yeah. your neighbors like people yeah. that live on your street those are the folks you like mm-hmm. talk to interact with all the time and I think one of the main things about moving to, to Philly was like losing that kind of safety net and mm-hmm. challenging myself to meet people from different backgrounds different mm-hmm. countries mm-hmm. different dynamics 
Pennsylvania as a state is an interesting place just to move to in general because mm-hmm. I had never, I didn't know Amish people were still a real thing. Yeah, <laughs> they had yeah, Amish yeah. people there. Yep. It was, You'll see them in their buggies. Yeah, <laughs> they come to the market in Reading Terminal and mm-hmm. they would sell their, their goods. And that, that was pretty cool. And just the history, I would say, that's one of the, the things that I moved to Philly for. Um, Houston doesn't have like that long kind of history like you have on the Northeast. Mm-hmm. So getting to go to a building that's been around since mm-hmm. like the 1800s was just so cool to me. And mm-hmm. the, seeing the Liberty Bell and the history that kind of comes from the foundation of this country was just super cool. As I mentioned, my husband is from Texas and a long time ago, he's going to be like, you always tell this story. A long time ago, we were talking about like being, I don't know, in school. And he said, that that year you do Texas history. I think it's like fourth grade or something. You do Texas history. (laughs) He's like, did you do that? No, we didn't have specific history to Massachusetts. It was U.S. history. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like the history was the history of the country. Yeah, we, we had that same conversation, my husband and I, and the pledging allegiance to the Texas flag after we did the pledge yeah. of allegiance for the oh, American yeah. flag. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't do that in Massachusetts. They really no. put that Texas pride like Im- embedded in you. And people always say, like why you know how do you know someone's from texas they'll tell you kind of as a joke yes. <laughs> and it's like because they they breed us with that from the jump you know this is we hang our flag as high yes. as the american flag all of that stuff yes well and we can tell everybody right now um texas is allowed to fly their flag as high as the american flag because it, texas used to be its own country yep, for 40 40 years yep. i don't even know if it was that long yeah <laughs> they will everybody knows that they can fly just as high as the american flag and they sure do <laughs> and it's everywhere yeah it's the only state yes. i ever lived in where they put the flag yes. absolutely everywhere it's insane everywhere <laughs> yes so you did school and then you got to work in the chemical um you know manufacturing world right like tell us about leaving school yeah so i I, you know, did my college years in Philly, and mm-hmm. I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to move back to Houston because, you know, the job markets for chemical engineers, it's it's all in Houston. It's pretty strong there. Yeah, yep. <laughs> there's all of the major chemical companies, oil and gas mm-hmm. is there. So, you know, if you want to have a career in the space, it's kind of the place you end up at some point. So mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. I might as well move back. I moved back and kind of got reintroduced to the city as an adult, learning about like being in downtown Houston, which is something you just mm-hmm. never do growing up in the suburbs mm-hmm. there. I really got an appreciation for Houston itself, for Texas in general. And it was the first time I went to Dallas and Austin by myself and San Antonio, mm-hmm. made trips to Louisiana. My family is Cajun. They're from Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Louisiana and my mom's family is from New Orleans so that culture of uh, Louisiana um, Cajun food gumbo jambalaya all that stuff is what I grew up with and my family is also um, very you know swamp Cajuns you kind of eat what you shoot yeah. kind of culture <laughs> so that's something I just got reintroduced to and grew more of an appreciation for moving back as an adult and going back to some of the places that I loved going to as a child that were still there, there's this uh, tiny little smokehouse in Richmond, Texas, which is just uh, southwest of Houston. 
And I absolutely loved that place. It was a place I go to with my grandma. They had a little pecan stand next door and they make pecan pies. So um, just getting reintroduced to the culture that I grew up with and just having a a much deeper understanding and appreciation for it. My last name is Prejean and there is a Prejean restaurant in Lafayette, Louisiana. So I went there on a work trip and got to get dinner there. You know, they don't give uh, you free food just because your last name is Prejean. So I've tried. Jeez, oh, <laughs> right? How, I mean, why not? Like It's like Smith around there. So. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. All right, fine. Yeah, they'd be giving out a lot of... <laughs> A lot of food. Yeah. I think that point in my my life, I really got appreciation for kind of where I came from and having, trying to get away from it by moving to across the country. Um, It was kind of like, you know, what was I really trying to get away from? I I love where I'm from. I love Texas. I, I love being right next to the Louisiana border and being able to make a five-hour drive to New Orleans whenever I want to. So all, all of those all of those things are, are kind of, Houston's kind of a mesh of a lot of New Orleans culture. There's a lot of people that moved there after Hurricane Katrina, uh, but then it also has its own very strong kind of uh, Texas <laughs> culture as well. Uh-huh. Did you start working in Houston after school? Did you get a job there? I did, yes. I I worked in Houston for a bit, just Mm -hmm. literally a mile from where I went to middle school, which was... Oh, wow. Which was crazy. So one one thing about Houston is it changes a lot every 10 Mm -hmm. years or so. So the same area that I went to middle school in was now a luxury condo type of area. So (laughs) where all of these um, new high rises and stuff were being built. So I got to see just like a complete transformation while I was away. And also I think I spent a little bit of time there, but then I got a job in small town Texas, Beaumont, Texas. I have a friend from Beaumont. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's small. It's very, very small. Everybody in Houston like, oh, is that where the jail is? Where you're moving to? That was the only <laughs> oh thing that anybody that knew about it. Knew. <laughs> but Beaumont is... It's small, but it's where I met some of my closest friends. I lived there for a year. And once again, just getting introduced to what small town Texas kind of feels like. I was always big city Texas growing up in Houston. So I didn't know that there were places in Texas where you could be 10 minutes away from anything. So, and Beaumont's kind of like that, very close knit, very small community, which I loved. Everybody there was, super nice i mean once again you expect small town texas you have this idea in your head about what it might be like beaumont has so many different cultures because again a lot of chemical industry so many different types of people move in and out of there but also all these people work together to create a community they live in the same communities so you might have different ideas or different beliefs but at the end of the day you have a conversation with somebody who is different than you all the time. So, so that's one thing I definitely appreciated about about living there and just trying to understand a little bit more about uh, a different side of Texas that I had never seen before. In Texas now, I've lived in Austin, which is 
gigantic. Um, I lived in a town of 1,800 people, Marfa, small town, and I'm like Goldilocks now. I'm in a city of 100,000. <laughs> like it's like I'm, I'm now like in the middle. Found the right size city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It totally feels like Goldilocks. Like oh, it was really big. That's ah, pretty small. You know, like here we are. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's try this out. So, how long did you? Because I'm like, wait, you ended up back in New England though. Yes. <laughs> I I lived in Texas again for about, I had moved back to Houston after living in Beaumont and I lived there for about, I would say three or four years. I met my husband at a taco place in Houston. I was out one night with one of my girlfriends and he was out with one of his friends and he came up to me and asked me to dinner. About a year later, we bought a house and about a year after that, um, we thought uh, I got a job offer for an opportunity in Boston, Massachusetts. And I loved the job that I was at. You know, we had bought this house in this lovely part of Houston. And, but we always thought like, you know, if we don't move, we'll always think, what if, you know, that was always something that that was what kind of challenged me. He's from Pennsylvania, right? He's from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, okay. He love he loves Houston too, but at the same time, it was like, well, Boston seems like a completely different place. You know, what would our lives look like if we lived in New England? Came to visit a couple of times, and oh, ugh, New England's just gorgeous. It's just it's just <laughs> beautiful. And once again, absolutely different than Philly, absolutely different than Houston or anywhere else I'd ever lived or been to. But Boston had the, I would say, more historical feel that I was looking for when I moved to Philadelphia. So kind of culture that I wasn't, that I hadn't experienced when I lived in Philly. Philly's a little bit of a grimy kind of city, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'd say Boston is like a, a more polished, smaller version of Philadelphia. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, you could be walking down the street and be like, um, what year is it? You know, of other, like just the cobblestone streets right. still, you know, the buildings around you, um, if you, you can find yourself in the right spot. Yeah. Right. The like historical looking ships as you walk around the harbor, it's gorgeous. Yes, harbor. Yeah. So you took that job in Boston? Yeah, I, I took a job and it was in a high rise in Boston, um, mm-hmm. Seaport area, if anybody's familiar with mm-hmm. it. It's kind of the newer part of Boston. And I, we lived in a, they put us up in an apartment there for six months. So I really got introduced to the city <laughs> and the, yeah, dy- the, the dynamics of it. And I mean, just a Aside from the the fact that the city is gorgeous, we got used to just being able to walk to work and being able to commute easier. I didn't, I didn't actually moved up here without a car, so yep, it's possible. So yeah, yeah that sounds crazy to, to a lot of Texas people, but I yeah moved up here without a car, and I noticed that the culture you know once again very very different from Texas, of course. But the biggest shock, I think, was working in the chemical industry up here. It's a lot less diverse than what I had experienced in Texas. The company that I joined, I think they did a survey and it was about 
80% male and about 70% white. So coming into the company, um, so I'm in process safety, which is uh, usually kind of setting safety standards for chemical plants, uh, making sure they're abiding by the law, basically, when it comes to chemical safety. So I'm here trying to explain to people, you know, this is the way chemical companies are supposed to, you know, make sure you're not going to have any accidents. And it's like, who is this lady trying to tell us what to do? Right, right. right. Who is she? Where is she from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. all all of that. Yeah. So it was it was very challenging. And then you know I'm pulled in one direction because it's like, why aren't these people doing what they're supposed to do? And then it's like, we're not listening to her. So just very very frustrating. And also I think just the fact that chemical manufacturing is not common in the Northeast. Some of those things right. that everybody just knows as default in Houston, um, people up here just weren't used to. It's a culture in Texas through the entire state. It, I don't know anybody who worked in the industry in Massachusetts, and I can name off a ton here. Yeah, it's not part of... Yeah, completely different industry. Here. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things we noticed. We also had a, a sticker shock because Boston is extra- way more expensive <gasps> to live in. <gasps> <laughs> it was when I graduated high school in the nineties. I thought I would move to Boston. It was just like I was a, a a kid that was drawn to that. And even then, I was like, I can't afford an apartment Ugh. there. You know, and this was in the nineties. I can't even imagine. Yeah, you can get a tiny little place for the price that you could rent a house in Houston. Like, mm-hmm. I could not believe it. And you know. I think with my, you know, oh, you know, of course an apartment has laundry and a garden tub. That's like default. (laughs) Nope. And also air conditioning is not default. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I'm coming with that mindset to to Boston, Massachusetts area. And I'm like, holy moly, you want me to pay how much? And I don't even get a washer and dryer in my apartment. I don't think so. No way. Or having to fix up a house after I spent this amount of money on it? No way. I don't think this is a standard down Texas yet either. You have to pay first month, last month, and a security deposit to move into a place. No, that's not. That's not standard in Texas, No, it's just a security deposit, and that's it. Right, but in Massachusetts, to get in anywhere, is it still that way? Because that's how it was when I was there. You have to pay a first month's rent, a last month's rent, and a security deposit, which is always equal to, at least equal to a month's rent. It was so hard to move anywhere because you needed three times, basically, of your monthly rent expense to get into somewhere new. Yeah, and then we started looking at buying a place. And, you know, like I mentioned, <laughs> the com- the market is so competitive, but it's also like mm-hmm. for like houses that you probably have to fix up. So I was like, no mm-hmm. way. So we decided to look across the border in Rhode Island <laughs> where the housing was a, a lot more reasonable, but also uh, there's a train that goes back and forth from Boston to Providence. So we moved to this house um, right near Providence College. It's uh, 10 minutes away from the train station. So I got to be one of those people that lived in one state and worked in another state. Which <laughs> another state. That's amazing. Which, I mean, tell everyone, because there's a lot of people from Texas that listen to the show, the, the mileage between Boston and Providence is what? It's about 40 miles, I would say. Yeah. yeah. 
That's it, y'all. Yeah, Forty miles. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like nothing. No, nothing. And, can, and there's a high speed train that would get me there in less than fifty minutes. So wow. If we had anything like that in Texas, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time my husband went to New England. He actually landed. He flew up there the day before I did. So he landed in Rhode Island, drove to Connecticut, picked up like a trailer, and then drove from Connecticut to my parents' house in Massachusetts. And he was like, I've been in three states today and I only drove three hours. <laughs> like he was just like, he, just, yeah. he was such a Texan. Like he was like, this is crazy. Yeah. It would freak like, me out. I can't believe. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And it was even like people in Boston would be like, wait a minute, you live in Providence. And I'm like, it's only an hour commute, but they like commuting for an hour would be like weird to Boston people. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I grew up in Western Massachusetts. The state is only this big, you know, and I was 80 miles from Boston and we went once a year because it was a big trip. Yeah. Like I was a big trip. You got a plan. You got a, you know, like who has a big deal to go to Boston? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe twice a year. Yeah. And then when I got old enough to drive, I would drive out to Boston. I was so like a Texan that didn't even know it. I would drive to Boston and have dinner with my friends and drive back. And my mom was like, what are you doing? That's so far. And I was like, I think I can do it in like a little an hour. It's fine. Listen to one album, you know. It's not a big deal. Yeah, like driving an hour in Houston was like nothing. Now that I live in... You didn't even get anywhere. Yeah, you can can go. And now that I live in Rhode Island, I'm definitely being Rhode Islandized, though. It's like 15 Mm -hmm. minutes? Oh, it's a little far. (laughs) Far. (laughs) Let's see. When did you get, like, when? how long ago was this now that you, like, bought your house in Providence? I think three years ago, probably next week. Yeah. We've talked a little bit. You had a career change, correct? Yes. So I kind of mentioned the same company that Mm -hmm. I worked for that was kind of very, very challenging for me. I said, you Mm -hmm. know what? I, you know, I'm not going to make the kind of progress here that I want to make. Um, it's just not set up for somebody like me to be successful, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, and the pandemic hit and, you know, everybody had time to think a little bit more, you know, being... <laughs> <laughs> About what they really wanted in life. Yeah. Right. And I was asked to do something I just didn't agree with. And I said, you know what, that's it for me. I'm not, I'm not doing mm-hmm. that. And there is always been a place in my heart for starting some kind of food business. Mm -hmm. Food has always been something that is pivotal for my growth. I mean, each city that I lived Mm -hmm. in, you know, when I moved to Philly, it was cheesesteaks and Mm -hmm. hoagies and the the little uh, Reading Terminal Market where the Amish came and, and sold their goods. And in Houston, I mean, Houston is a food city. So I grew up with, Mm -hmm. you know, barbecue and um, Mexican food, Vietnamese food, Cajun food, mm-hmm. Viet Cajun food, was it, which is the fusion mm-hmm. yeah. of, of the two, yes. which is fantastic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I always wanted to go into food business. I thought about being a chef for a long time. In 2016, I was on a work trip in Florida, of all places. And mm-hmm. on these work trips, um, 
I have just some downtime sometimes in the evening. You know, I'm usually by myself. So I stumbled upon a person on YouTube just talking about why they decided to go vegan and kind of what type of information led them to that decision. And at this time, I was a meat eater to the fullest, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, very Texan. You know, you have you have breakfast burritos, you have... With me. Yeah, with me. (laughs) And lunchtime is usually like a barbecue sandwich. And then dinner time is like some sort of like meat and potatoes, like Mm -hmm. very, very meat heavy diet. And so I was watching this extremely incredulous, like, oh, yeah, whatever. I thought nothing could sway me. And then I actually watched the documentary. I think it was Earthlings. And they kind of talked about, you know, the impact of what the meat industry has on the environment, the treatment of animals. I'm a big animal lover, but if it came between myself and a piece of meat at that time, I don't know, or myself and an animal (laughs) and a piece of meat, I think I would have chosen the meat. But Mm -hmm. it was the impact to the climate that really Mm -hmm. made me start to think about how can I, in any sort of way, try to reduce the impact of climate change. And my part in that was that I could control was my diet. So I remember going downstairs to breakfast the next morning, and I saw the sausage sitting there that I normally would have grabbed, Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't do it. Couldn't eat it. Yeah, you were like... And was that it? That was the, from then on? I think it was first, um, I think that was it for beef. And then I gave up chicken and then slowly transitioned, cutting one thing out of the other. I think people try to go cold turkey and that works for some people. But even just going back and forth, I think for a while until you can transition is might work well for others. Yeah, that's probably a wise idea because if you cut it all out and you kind of are, are dealing with this, like the emotions of feeling, um, what's what I'm looking for, like so limited, you know, but if you can slowly step it down, you know, because if you just go cold turkey, all of it, you, there's going to be like this emotional component to it, I imagine, of like sadness and longing and, you know, and, and obviously understanding it with a greater sense, but like you kick off that uh, depravity, you know, you don't want to kick off your depravity, whatever's you know right yeah like slowly be like okay now now i now we're taking chicken out okay now we're gonna you know the cheese and then all, all yeah so i think one of the things i that helps me out a lot was learning about how to make seitan it's a mm-hmm. vegan meat replacement uh you can mm-hmm. you can season it you can fry it you can put it in stir fries all that type of stuff so as far as like that having something that was meat adjacent that wasn't meat that was one of the my go-to's for sure um mm-hmm. learning how to cook that and that sausage place I referenced when we first started talking that mm-hmm. I used to, to go to in Texas, my mom mm-hmm. picked up some sausage from there. And that was actually the last time that I ate meat. I tried it oh, and mm-hmm. it just didn't taste at all the same to me anymore. Mm-hmm. I can only think about kind of the animal that Background. came from that. Mm-hmm. So that was the actual last time that I I had meat. (laughs) And that was the ultimate test. (laughs) 
yeah, of your beloved place. Yeah. That's funny. I used to, I, vegan was not a thing when I was a vegetarian in the 90s. It's like, I feel like we, you and I were like, <laughs> like, when I was in Massachusetts, I was a vegetarian for a long time. And my favorite, I don't know if it's a product, it's around, it's called Fake and Bacon. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I would eat that all the time. Oh, always with the Fake and Bacon BLTs. They're so good. I have to watch out for, this is like my own personal, I have to watch out for a lot of um, meat alternatives. I'm celiac, so I can't have wheat or gluten in a lot. Of, that's in a lot of the um, products. But anyway, how has this, now Now we're at like a convergence, right? Like I think you are vegan and then you are taking a step away from the career that you've been at. This was COVID during, right? During COVID? Yeah, during COVID, yeah. Last year? Yeah, so mm-hmm. on my long train rides to Boston, mm-hmm. one of the things I would think about was what if I created my own vegan meat company? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do in the summers, being in Rhode Island, we still, you know, being in Texas for a long time, we still grill a lot. Mm-hmm. So I started to grill and smoke my own vegan meat, experimenting with different textures. I wanted to recreate something similar to that sausage that I had growing up, but Mm -hmm. plant-based. So that is one of the products that I decided would be a part of the company business. So cool. So we were actually in Warren, Rhode Island, a small Mm -hmm. city in Rhode Island, uh, we were in a bookstore, and the ladies who owned the bookstore just mentioned that there was a food incubator in Rhode Island called Hope and Maine. They help small businesses start to sell products, teach them how to advertise mm-hmm. it, what type of pricing that you should set it at. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about Rhode Island, it's a very good place for locally grown food. Mm-hmm. It's a very good a good place for for foodies in general um there's the uh food school uh, what's it called there's the the culinary school in downtown providence Mm -hmm. and a lot of chefs johnson and wales yes that that come out of there so the food culture in rhode island is really great but everything is local you have to really look Mm -hmm. for a panera bread or bread lobster or any of that type of stuff Mm -hmm. so hope in maine is one of the places that helps some of these people who are creating products get off the ground so when she told us about this, it was absolutely great. This was just before I made the decision to quit my job. And I had always been looking into working with them. So that gave me that hard push. So January of this year, I started to work with the food incubator. I told them about my product. They sounded really excited about it. We started talking about pricing. And that sausage that I created um, and also mm-hmm. uh, vegan bacon is the other thing that I make. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, hickory smoke, just like we would do in Texas. Those right. are my two flagship products that we started selling this summer. It. Your own fake and bacon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So where are you distributing? How like? So right now um, I make uh, products and sell them at the farmer's market. We're getting into mm-hmm. a local co-op in the next couple of months. So mm-hmm. things are moving very quickly. Okay. And, and also there's a big section of Providence that is as soon as you come to Providence they'll tell you about 
Federal Hill and the Italian influence mm -hmm. in Providence. Um, same thing in Boston, the North End. So I wanted to uh, create something that was kind of a homage to all the things that we learn about Italian food since I've been here, because that's not something I grew up with in Texas. So the next product that I'm releasing is an Italian-style sausage. Oh, very nice. So hoping to get that into some of the restaurants here, some of the pizza places. So right now we're just getting things going, but the conversations about it are absolutely everywhere. It's going really well. It's just right now mm -hmm. trying to make my feet move the fastest uh, as everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think that you would get to like, well, if you're making, I was like, I think it's like barbecue, like, you, like jackfruit, correct, is one of the largest kind of barbecue replacements. Yeah, people it? usually use jackfruit. I'm not a huge fan of jackfruit. I've only had it once. Mm -hmm. So the good thing about the sausage I make it is it is gluten-free. So I mm -hmm. had to make sure I had something for people with their uh, gluten intolerance. Ding! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like, a lot of stuff I eat is, is vegan included. Like, you can just, if we're going to eliminate, let's just eliminate, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. so that's one of the markets I also wanted to cater too, but also just give people something that, you know, vegan food doesn't have to be a sacrifice, you know, and we're in a mixed diet household. My my husband is not vegan, but if we are eating vegan, I don't want him to feel like he just ate a sad salad, <laughs> you know. You still can put in fresh, you know, ingredients. I always say that it's the herbs that you want. It's the way that the, mm -hmm. the food is cooked. I read that salt, fat, acid, heat book. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are all the components that you need for good food. It doesn't have to come from an animal product or an animal base. Mm -hmm. So that's the principle behind this company. And also wanted to create a space where, I mean, if as we grow, making sure that we have an inclusive workspace. I want input from people of all work, walks of life and, and all people to feel respected and validated because a lot of uh, company spaces, a lot of the corporate world, that is the main thing that I hear. Even the, the ladies who are also making products where I am now, they left the corporate world because they got so frustrated with X, Y, and Z. I don't want that to be the story anymore. And if I can create a company that doesn't contribute to that narrative, then I consider that a huge win for everybody. Same. <laughs> the, the buzzwords, buzzwords always make me like roll my eyes, but I'm like, I'm rolling my eyes right now. The culture is very important to me and my husband at our business. Uh, I get it. I understand it, you know, and it's something we hold very, very, very dear to our hearts. And uh, yep, you got to be very intentional. Yeah, I think so. You have to speak to your values and everything, you know, quite often. And um, anyway, I, I get it. This is so cool. And I love that you are in Rhode Island doing this. Like, I think that there's such a great exposure. Like, you're not in a barbecue place. You're not in a... I'm assuming the first sausage you make it would be like kind of like a barbecue because you said it was from a barbecue place that you modeled the flavor after, right? Yes, yeah. So it's mm. all stuff that you can barbecue and grill. Actually, mm -hmm. there's... Love it. There's a influx of kind of southern e type of restaurants coming up in Rhode Island because mm -hmm. southern mm -hmm. food, southern culture, I mean, absolutely everybody loves it, but not everybody has been exposed mm -hmm. to it. So I'm joining right, this right. wave 
yeah, and so I'm joining this wave of southern type of food. There's another, there's mm-hmm. barbecue restaurants popping up in New England. Uh, there's Cajun style southern cooking mm-hmm. type of restaurants popping up. So right now it's kind of a small section of the food space. Um, but it is becoming more common as Southern culture, Southern food is becoming more ubiquitous everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as Southerners like myself are moving to other places and introducing people to different mm-hmm. types of food. Totally, totally. There was one place in Sunderland, Massachusetts when I was growing up called Bub's Barbecue. And that was the only place I ever had like anything close to Texas barbecue before I moved to Texas that had rolls of paper towels on the picnic tables. And, you know, like it was the closest thing. And I've gone back there once since I moved from Texas and I was like, oh, this was close. But, you know, like the, they they also sold like wild kind of game stuff. They have ostrich and stuff like that occasionally. But yeah, that was the only place, the only place I'd ever saw or ever came across. Um, beloved. I don't even know if it's still there. One of the things that um, once I started to talk to to supermarkets about mm-hmm. our product is that I just assumed was something we did because we moved from Texas. We grill all year, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's snowing outside, we'll throw something mm-hmm. on the pit and smoke it. Conversations I've had is like, yeah, people still want to grill things, but they'll have small grills inside or like grilling pans and stuff like that. So mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. making a barbecue style product is not something that, you know, Rhode Islanders only want three months out of the year. It's something people mm-hmm. might still um, enjoy other parts of the year. If you have that flavor, if you have that intention put into it, people still might pull out a grilling pan and want just want to do that on a Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. Mm-hmm, totally. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, like, uh, vegan or non-meat alternatives are one of the, if not the fastest growing, like let's call it a section of a grocery store right now. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people are, mm-hmm. are going plant-based and just becoming more comfortable with the idea of meat alternatives. Like I said, when I transitioned from uh, being a meat eater to going plant-based, meat alternatives were like my saving grace and something that I mm-hmm. could kind of have to not have that same impact to the environment with my diet, but also have something that was similar to what I grew up eating. Uh, a lot of us don't get to choose our diets as kids and what mm-hmm. we grow up eating. So um, your palate is trained towards certain textures, certain flavors. So going plant-based for a lot of people and not having those textures and those flavors can be very, very difficult. So I think that um, plant-based meat alternative is really giving people another way to um, make sure they can be a little bit more sustainable in their lifestyle, try to reduce the impact of uh, the industry has on animals, um, but also still have something that is similar to the things that they grew up eating. Your story is awesome. I love that it's like Texan in New England, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like totally holy, you know, uh, it's wonderful. I really hope that this, I mean, it sounds like it is, is just taking off for you. Yeah. One of the the biggest states to the smallest, one of the smallest states. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Like this, the, the city you came from is probably the size, I mean, somebody correct me, I think it is the size of Rhode Island. Yes. Yes. Houston right? and Rhode Island are about the same size. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty size. crazy. The thing is, you know, food is a universal type of language. Mm-hmm. It, it transcends cultures. And I want vegan food to be able to do that as well. 
Um, it's not something that's just, you know, in, in the side of the grocery store that nobody ever looks at. It can be brought out and celebrated at your cookouts like any other type of food. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be the lack, right? The, the like, what you're not having is how it's kind of been defined, right? right? You're not having this, not having that. Instead of, like, changing it to be like, this is what we're, you know, we're having a vegan, you know, bacon or whatever. We're having the vegan sausage, you know, as it stands alone, not we're not having your sausage. Like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, we're having a meal without this, 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 or that. Yes. Like, it's, this yes. is the, what we're bringing to the table. This is something mm-hmm. that we're all having an addition to, not not what we're taking away. Because yeah, I think... Not away from. That's why I, I try to, to say plant-based is versus vegan. Because the vegan term is usually focused on what's being taken away. which What you don't have. Exactly. Yeah, right. That's a good point. But that's, that's a great way to think about it, you know, just like mm-hmm. transitioning to any other type of diet. What are you adding to it instead? Totally. I have two agenda items before we wrap up. One, I want you to let people know where they can find you, you know, to follow your journey. And then two, I have questions, like my fun questions. I feel like let's, why don't you tell people, you know, the name of your company and all of that. Sure. So our company is Smoky Meats. That's Smoky without an E. And then mm-hmm. M with three M's. And then Eats, because it sounds like meat when you say it, but when you look look at it, it's not really meat. So, <laughs> so there's a pun in the name also because we like to have fun. But you can find us on Instagram and uh, smokyeats at gmail.com is our email address. And smoke, www.smokymeats.com is our, our website. It's like, cool. Are you just doing like wholesale? Um, yeah, right now, yeah. Uh, locally in Rhode Island, we're doing uh, yeah. sales at the Hope and Main Farmer's Market every other Wednesday mm-hmm. and uh, soon to be wholesale in online orders for Rhode Island uh, residents. Very cool. And um, it's going for this has also been since January, too. Yes. So Dang. things are moving super mm-hmm. duper fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have one, two, three, four. Yeah, I have five. I have five. I was like, I've cut it down. I used to do 10 questions. I'm cutting it down. This is a short question. It doesn't have to be long or it could be short. I don't know. What is your identity as a, as a Texas woman? Like what does the you know identity of a Texan mean to you? For me, um, definitely growing up in a multicultural space, mm-hmm. um, a space where... Uh, you are always interacting with people whose views might be different than yours, but you still come together and work towards a greater purpose. Um, that's Texas identity to me. Um, mm-hmm. We don't all have the same background. We don't all have the same identity in terms of where we come from. But Texans have a very strong uh, sense of community, I, I think. And we all have that centralized Texas identity that kind of never leaves us, no matter where we go. And even people that move to Texas um, that have been there like yourself for a long time, Mm -hmm. that Texas culture gets ingrained to you and it never leaves you. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's great. And it's a it's a shared identity that you can bond with people. Um, I've met people Mm -hmm. in traveling to France and they say, oh my God, you're from Texas. And, you know, there's this whole bonding that happens about, you know, what the culture was like that you grew up with and just what it means to be a Texan. And it means a lot of different things, but 
I think it's having that that pride from where you're from, what where you're from, and where you grew up. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Let's see. What is the weirdest job you've ever had? I was <laughs> trying to pick which was the the weirdest <laughs> one. Um, or a new, like noteworthy, you know. Um, so I worked for a little bit at this uh, t-shirt selling company called Stephen Barry's. Okay. I don't think they even exist anymore. Um, but uh-huh. they sold college t-shirts and then they uh-huh. transitioned to, they sold uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's uh, clothing line for a little bit, which it was so okay. random because they were, I'm pretty sure they were like a t-shirt sweatshirt place. And then all of a sudden they were selling like, her clothes. But yes, so that's where I got really good at folding t-shirts. So, which is a good... Was that in Houston? Yeah, in Houston at the, yeah. the a mall that's not even open anymore. That was like 10, 15 years ago. But yeah, that was, oh, that was the... Lots of t-shirt oh, folding. I have a couple of food questions, which is pretty... Uh, relevant to you. So this is a holder from my previous questions, my non-Texas edition questions. Cilantro, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Everywhere, okay. all the time. And yep, yep. I asked that because I, you'd be surprised. I've been surprised and why I keep, I'm going to keep asking it is so many, there are so many people that say no, it tastes like soap, that whole thing, that whole genetic thing. Yeah, that's I'm so weird. I'm fascinated by that. Isn't it weird? <laughs> like what other foods are there that taste weird to me? <laughs> But, you know, yeah, that tastes terrible like, to I'm, me. That tastes good to everybody yeah. else or vice versa. I yeah. will tell you something controversial. Uh-huh. And I, I'm sure half your listeners are going to be like, oh, my God. I love it. I'm not a peanut butter and chocolate person. I don't do peanut butter and chocolate together. Don't like them together? No, okay. separately. Okay, no peanut butter cups. No peanut butter cups. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the sweetened peanut butter that I don't like because the Justin's cups are okay. Maybe. But, yeah. Yeah, I was about to, the almond butter. Yes. Do you like the almond butter Justin's yes. ones? Okay, so the peanut. But yeah, there's like oh, um, yeah. peanut butter chocolate ice Taking cream. Taking a stance. No. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's yeah. my thing. That's like my, uh, that's my pineapple pizza. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I love pineapple pizza. Me too. Okay. The best $100 you've spent recently. Oh, recently. Let's see. I would say the best hundred dollars I spent recently I I went out again uh, Newport Rhode Island is a very famous part of Rhode Island that if as soon as mm-hmm. you've been to Rhode Island people will mention um, I went mm-hmm. out to a jewelry store and I found a little Rhode Island anchor pendant uh, so that was probably the best hundred dollars that I've spent recently something to commemorate my my new home, <laughs> Rhode Island. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The homes there and right in Newport. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Mansions. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. Every every house. Yeah. Okay. And this last one is totally relevant with your barbecue history. So I'm as someone who didn't grow up with barbecue. I'm fascinated by the whole, you know, ritual of the meal, you know, kind of thing, and how there's like certain staples at every kind of barbecue restaurant. Do you eat the bread? Like, let's say when you, you know, obviously there's not many vegan barbecue restaurants. Maybe you'll be, you know, you'll you'll head there someday. But like when you, you know, got your plate and they always give you that white bread, did you eat it? You know, okay, did you make, did you like. That is a controversial question. Uh, I, I know, never thought about I it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So I would say sometimes because if, 
if there was a sausage there, I would make a little sausage sandwich or like uh-huh. a little brisket uh-huh. sandwich. Yep. But if I was just yep. having like ribs or something that didn't, that there was like a, mm-hmm. not a sandwich that you could make out of it, then no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was very yeah. circumstantial. And it depended on if, if yes. there was like a good like yeast roll or something like that. Some barbecue places would mm-hmm. have something like that. Mm-hmm. Then yes. Mm-hmm. But plain white bread, usually. E. Yeah. Unless there was like a sandwich uh-huh. situation happening. So very yeah. nuanced Isn't question. That, I, love, so, I know. I love it. I'm I so excited. I didn't realize I had those rules people. until now. Right? <laughs> I know. Because somebody who, like I got to barbecue later in life and I was like, why are we, what is this stack of bread? What is this? What are we doing with yeah. this? And like somebody had to tell me, like you are you kind of are supposed to like make a stand. And I'm like, what? I'm not going to eat like multiple sandwiches. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, they give you like half of a loaf of, of bread. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then I'm always, I'm always watching. I'm like, are people going to eat the bread? Or are they going to give it back? Like, I do, I, like, anyway, yeah. I'm obsessed with the bread. And what's so funny is I'm still like, I can't eat any of the no. bread. So, you know, so I'm the one that's like, no, 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 no bread, no bread, no bread. And I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm not like a woman who doesn't eat bread. I, I can't eat bread. Like if you had a gluten-free bread back there, I'd eat it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, sure they just throw it on there anyways. <laughs> yes. No. Or my husband would be like, I sit on the side, you know, because he's he can eat it and he can, you know. That's a very Texas question. I know. I love it. Isn't it though? I'm fascinated. Yeah, the bread at restaurants. Yeah. One of my my favorite, there was a place in um Brady, Texas, which is the heart of Texas. I've been there. That um mm-hmm, they had a jalapeno cheese bread at this like the barbecue restaurant that isn't even there anymore and it was all Oh, it's like their barbecue soup. yeah jalapeno cheese bread is the fucking best on the barbecue oh my gosh so that's that's the end of my question <laughs> the end of my <laughs> silly questions I just want to say thank you I'm so excited to be doing this this Texas edition and like how it, it's brought me to you know somebody like you which is so fascinating and I love that we had so much overlap of New England and Texas and it were like I loved hearing things and I'm like oh I experienced that the other way you yeah know, exactly like being a northerner <laughs> moving to Texas and and noticing how you know strangers interact or how they don't interact and um we've noticed a lot of the same things yeah the culture um, shock between just, two places yeah mm-hmm. yeah I often um my kids you know we're all born in Texas and their father is from my husband's from Victoria which is between Houston and Corpus and I like to say like I came from a different country yeah <laughs> there's different food there's different accents people like look different yeah you know like when I get on an airplane uh, headed towards Hartford I can tell <laughs> you, know? you know exactly where that you can tell by the people and where that plane's going uh-huh. that's so funny I would mm-hmm. always say that going back to Houston from Philly like I know <laughs> uh, or I'm in the yep. right spot this is the Houston crowd yep <laughs> yep yep <laughs> so that plane to Hartford looks has a real look to it mm-hmm. yep <laughs> yep <laughs> All right, everyone, I'll meet you uh, again here next week and we'll meet another this woman and hear her story. But thank you so much for your time, Chelsea. Thank you, Jesse. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here. All the things that made no sense A story that was meant to be
faces made Cards left on tables and cards played And no one knows How will it go? Questions burning in the mind Answers may not be there to find And no one knows How should it be? So paint